amazing how God does things, because that's exactly what I'm going to talk about this morning. I bless your name. If you want to be turning with me in your Bibles to the 145th Psalm this morning, that's where we begin. We're going to continue in week number three uh, of a message we started on simply entitled, How. How, how can we be a man? How can we be a person after God's own heart? We started by looking into the life of David, since David is the one that the Word of God says he is a man after mine own heart, if we're going to try to be that kind of person. We started out by looking at that life as a great place to start, since that's the only one that we know that God said it about. And in week number one, what we took a really good look at was the sin in David's life. We, we took a, a look at the fact that, that David is an adulterer, and because of that, he's a liar. He tried to hide it. He became a man of pride, thinking he could do whatever he wanted to, could get away with it, and God wouldn't know about it. He, he became a murderer as he tried to cover up, and Uriah wouldn't have any part of it. And not only was, was Uriah murdered by what he did, but several other soldiers of the children of Israel were murdered in the process. And here's what we looked at. It's not those, it's not those sins. It's not the sin in David's life that caused him to be a man after God's own heart. But neither did they disqualify him from being that. And that's important because the devil will tell you you're disqualified. The devil will tell you God can't use you. The devil will tell you that your sin is bigger than everybody else's. The devil's a liar. He always has been. He always will be. So what we took a, a look at was that David had a lot of sin. But what we saw was David's confession and David's repentance. And it didn't matter that he had to get caught red-handed. It didn't matter that he didn't come forward with the truth. It didn't matter that he was caught, that God sent the prophet Nathan and pointed it out. And because he's caught red-handed and has no way out, now he confessed. It didn't matter to God. The fact that he confessed is all that mattered. It's the fact that he repented. And what we looked at is you got to get past step one before we can worry about step two. So we spent week one putting some confessions on the table. Some things that would separate us. Some things that would hinder God from being able to use it. But then we looked in week two. We kind of left off there at week one. And we looked last week. And if we're going to be a man after God's own heart or a person after God's own heart, we're to be different. To come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. You can't be like the world. You can't be like you were. You can't be like things were. All things truly have to have passed away. Behold, all things become new to the one who is washed in the blood of the Lamb of God. We are separated from our sin, separated from our past. We have to be different. We look that we're to be different because we are the child of the great I am. That is his name. That's how he established himself is that I am. And we are children of the I am. So therefore, we're to, be, we're to be different about things. I looked at some, some studies this week. You know, many of the psalms that we're going to look at here this morning, many of the psalms, they're, they're simply songs. That they're, they're songs that the children of Israel would sing or David would sing. And I did a, a study. I'm not sure exactly how accurate these are. I'll be honest with you. I was just trying to gather. And some, one of the studies said that David wrote... At least 41 of the Psalms. It's a little bit easier to be accurate there since you're only dealing with 150 chapters. But everything isn't always signed and autographed. Just like the book of Hebrews that a lot of people want to accredit Paul to writing. Well, there's no proof of that. There are styles of writings, and I don't know that I see it there. But, but there's a lot of things that can give us indication and input. But if it's not signed that I, Paul, the servant of Jesus Christ, if it's not signed, you know, of David, of praise and worship, then you don't really know it. So there's some things that we can know at least a good general idea of. But another study that I was looking at, and I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't know if this one's 
this was really true. I, I tried to prove whether it was right or wrong, but that, one, that particular one said that as much as 33% of the Word of God is songs. Now, I don't know if that percentage is right, but I do know this. There's a lot of songs in this book. A lot of them are in the Psalms, but not always. Moses, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible written by the hand of Moses, there's a lot of songs. The children, when they walked through the, through the wilderness, they sang songs together. They sang songs of rejoicing. They sang songs of the goodness of God. And even as Moses went on and Joshua comes by and they crossed over, you'd find the children of Israel marching and many times going to battle or coming back. But what you find is them singing songs. So there's a lot of, a lot of songs, a lot of things written about praise here in the Word of God. Well, what we do know is that David wrote at least 73 of these 150 songs. And, and David covers a, a multitude of topics here in those psalms. He, he covers a, a great list, a lot of different things. But what we see is that, is that the overall theme of the writings of David and the psalms themselves is praise. Now, our text here in the study Bible, yours may have the same. It may be slightly different. But in my study Bible, mine, the, the heading to chapter 145 says, Praise to the gracious God. 146 says, Praise God for his help. 147 says, God praised for regathering Israel. 148 says, God praised by all creation. 149 says, God praised by the children of Zion. 150 says, the summation of God's praise. What we see is that the subject of a lot of these psalms are about praising God. So our opening text here this morning, Psalm chapter 145. If you look with me, beginning in verse number 1, David said, I will extol thee, my I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day I will bless thee. I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of thy glorious honor, of thy majesty, and of thy wonderful works. I want you to drop down with me, if you would, to the very last verse there in that chapter, verse number 21. He said, my mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord. Let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. God, thank you so much for this precious, incredible book. God, thank you for this love letter, handwritten, delivered to us, your church, your people, God. Thank you, Father, for your guidance, for your direction. Thank you, Father, that it is a two-edged sword, that it cuts off bad stuff. It straightens out some crooked places, God. Thank you, Father, that, that it shapes us and molds us and makes us into the image that you'd have us to be. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit move in this place this morning. Among each one of us, God, will you give us guidance and direction? I pray that when we walk out of this place, Lord, that we'd be a step closer to you than we were when we came in. That we'd be more in the image of your, the way that you desire us to be in the image of Christ. We love you, Father. Lord, you've been good to us. We trust you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. can be seated. There, um, David said, let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Psalms chapter 149, if you still got your Bible, you can hang there just for a minute. I want to read a couple more. Verse number one, he says, praise you the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek. 
with salvation. Now, the chapter closes out with this statement. This honor, this privilege, this grace, this blessing, this honor, have all his saints praise you the Lord. It is our honor to be able to go before the God of all gods and give him praise and glory. It is our honor to even be able to talk to the King of Kings. He said, it is our, our honor to praise you, the Lord. Now, over real quick, if you look there at the final chapter, chapter 150, I told you my, the title on mine says, The Summation of Praise. He says, Praise you, the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty act. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. With stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. And in verse number 6 says, let every. is not leaving anything out. But, but then it comes down to a conclusion part right there. It, it says, notice there's two words right there. Everything, not one word. Everything that hath what? You know the test, right? Put your hand up. I don't see moving. You feel it? Y'all doing breath check. You feel it? So, so if we have breath, he, he's established that everything that hath breath is to what? Praise the Lord. And then he emphasizes it to what? Praise ye the Lord. One of the things that we see about David, this man who the word of God says is a man after mine own heart, is that David is a man that understands the priority of worship. 30 times he, he writes the words to praise him. I, I want to give you something this morning. I'm going to use it throughout. I, I want you to, if, if, you don't, if you don't pay attention to anything else this morning, I want you to pay attention to this. Because you're going you're to need this. Anybody ever been through a battle in your life? Anybody ever been through a storm in your life? Trials and temptations, anything to beat you down? I, I'm going to give you something. And, and if you don't remember anything else, note takers, some of you note takers, if you don't write down anything else, I want you to, to write this down this morning. I want you to go out. Worship is the one thing that can change everything. You hear me? Worship is the one thing that can change everything. Charles R. Swindle said, life is 10% what happens to you. 90% how you react to it. Now, we all know that, that life can bring some challenging times, right? Life can bring a, a lot of hard things our way, a lot, a lot of bad circumstances. Life hands us a lot of unexpected things, a lot of unpleasant things, if you will. But, but when life brings us things that, that we don't particularly feel like worshiping, worship. When it doesn't make any sense to worship, worship. When the battle seems too strong, when the storm seems too severe in your life, when the situation seems like it's too bad right now to worship, worship. Because worship is the one thing that can change everything. See, the thing about worship, even if it doesn't change our storm, it can change our strength in the storm. Even if it doesn't change, change the battle, it can give us courage during the battle. Even if it doesn't change the, the situation, 
worship can give us victory over the situation. God never brought us anywhere to set us up for failure. Every storm, every trouble, every trial, everything you've ever brought to, you are brought there for growth. You are brought there for change. You are brought there to be risen. You are brought there that your faith might increase. You are brought there to find out what will you do now. I can tell you the answer. If you will worship now, God will get you through. Worship is the one thing that can change everything. I'll go ahead and apologize. I don't normally use quotes to say something like this. I'm, I'm not a big fan, but, but I, I, know what he's, I know what he's saying, and I, and I want to expound past it a little bit. It was Winston Churchill. What, what he said is, if you're going through hell, keep going. Now, we know what he's talking about. Sometimes, do you ever feel like you've been through hell on earth? you ever feel like if it can go wrong, it's going wrong? It has and continues to do so, and then and you get it. It just seems like you, you get scared to even look at your phone or answer another call to take those. Like it, it just keeps coming. Well, again, I don't. Y'all know I don't normally use stuff that say something like that, but but I wanted to emphasize. Arena, I kind of wanted to. I guess you'd say complete that quote for him. If you're going through hell, keep going, because you're not home yet. Regardless of what we're going through in this life, just worship Him. Regardless of the things that's going on around us. See, what it says there is just praise God. If you're going through circumstance, you're going through bad situations, praise God all the way through it and leave your mark so that others might follow you home. You, you know, when, when you're, you're a witness to people at work and, and you're, you're trying to tell people about Christ, you're trying to invite people to church, your testimony is never stronger than when you are going through the worst time of your life and you can smile. When you're going through the worst time that you've ever been through and you can still say, I love the Lord, you can still sing praises. Our testimony will never be greater than when it stands the, the storms and we worship God in spite of the situation. Worship is the one thing that can change everything. God loves for us to worship him. God loves for us to, to praise him. God created us to praise him. It is the very purpose. He made us a free will being so that by our own choice, we can choose to worship him. You remember the quote from Rick Warren last week? You were made by God and for God. There's your key. You were made by God and for God. And until you understand that, life will never make sense. Our sole purpose is to give glory and honor to God. To tell the lost and dying world of, of which the Bible says we're some of ye. And I'm not, really, I'm not sure why it's some because all of you were. We were all sinners, all separated. We've all been there. But somebody took time to say I love you. Somebody took time to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with me. Somebody took time to let me know that I did not have to die and go to hell. That there was a way out of that. And that I could be saved. That I could be a child of the king. Washed in the blood. And now I'm on my way to heaven because somebody told me. Our job is to tell somebody else. Worship him. God loves praise. Jesus said Luke 1940 remember when, when the Pharisees were all been out of shape because the people were worshiping him and he wanted them, to, they wanted Jesus to tell them to be quiet and he said this of the children of God. He, he said I tell you that if these should hold their peace the stones would immediately cry out. Creation sings 24-7 praises unto God. Their praise is never silent. 
The angels sing 24-7 praises unto God. Their praise is never silent. The four beasts, the 24 elders, round about the throne. The text says that day and night, it's continually, their praise never ceases to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. God will be praised. David, this man after God's own heart, he understood the priority of worship. Our text this morning, the 145th Psalm, is considered to be the crown jewel of the praise of David. David starts out by saying, I will extol thee, my God, O King. I will bless thy name forever and ever. That, that word extol, it comes from a word that means to, to exalt, to, to heave up, to, to lift up on high. So what David says, this man after God's own heart says, I will raise up. Heave up. I will lift on high, not just any God, not just the one true and living God, but my God. I will lift on high the, the one who ransomed my soul. I will lift high the one who has given me my life. I will praise my God. He is my king. I will bless his name. What he says is I'll bless him in the good times. I'll bless him in the bad times. Because he is my God and he is worthy of my praise no matter what is going on in my life. Now, David there, he says forever and ever. Notice again, it's not one word forever. It is forever and ever. That first word ever means that, that David's praise has no end. There is no end to his offering. But the second, the second ever forbids that there be any idea that there can ever be an end to his praise. See, our praise unto our God is to be just as eternal as God himself. We, there should never be a moment. There should never be a time. There should never be a day. There should never be a situation when our praise comes to a stop. He says every day will I bless thee. Right there in verse number 2, you see it, Psalm 145, verse number 2, he says, he says, every, every day. See, this is where today's casual Christianity has to get off the boat. This is where today's casual Christianity drops the ball. Because there's a lot of Sunday morning Christians in this, in this country. There's a lot of Sunday morning Christians in this town. There's a lot of Sunday morning Christians around us. There are a lot of people who are one thing on Sunday morning and you are different on Monday. There are a lot who say things when they're at church, act one way at church, but they're different the rest of the week. The Bible doesn't call that casual Christianity. The Bible calls that a hypocrite. Bless God, curse man with the same lips. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. So, so David says that I'm going to bless God every day. Not just on Sunday. Not, not just when the choir leads me to do so. Not, not just when the worship band gets up and, and leads me ahead to do so. Not just when I'm around other Christians and it's okay to worship now because they're worshiping so I, I can gather with them. But every day, on Monday, I will bless thee. On Tuesday, I will bless thee. You, you, you want to really get in? On Friday night, I will bless thee. On Saturday, I will bless 
thee. I will give honor unto thy name 24-7, 365 days a year. Not one day is going to pass in my life that I will not give praise. That's what David says. And God said he's a man after my own heart. So if I want to be a person after God's own heart, not one day of my life can be wasted. It doesn't matter how many I've wasted in the past. What matters is that I finished the race. I can't go back and change one day that's been wasted. But I can change today. I can praise him today. I can make sure that tomorrow is a Monday of praise. Tuesday is a Tuesday of praise. Wednesday is a Wednesday of praise. I can make sure that from this day forward, I praise God with everything I have to praise him. My speech will praise thee. My social media will praise thee. My language will praise thee. My attitude will praise thee. My actions will praise thee. My life will praise thee. Every moment of every day, I will not give glory to this world. I will not give glory to the devil. I will not give glory to the things of my past. I will not give glory to the things that try to lure men astray. Every day, I will give praises unto my God. Casual Christianity can't find that. You want to be a man after God's own heart? Casual Christianity ain't going to get you there. You can't dress good enough on Sunday, act holy enough on Sunday, sing righteous enough on Sunday to be holy on Monday if you don't start out giving praises to God and bless him all day. David said, every day I will bless thee, O oh my God. There, there is no part of God's greatness that is not worthy of our praise. No choir music is too loud. No, no band is too big. No shout hallelujah is too much in the house of God. Well, I know it's a little, it's a little, little different. You know, we, we, it's the quiet. Listen, it, there's a fine line between heavenly worship and the frozen chosen. Hallelujah ain't too much. That's, sorry, that's my southern slang, is it? Isn't too much. Any English teachers in here? I failed already, it don't matter. My worst subject. Amen just means I agree. And if it comes out of the book and you agree, where two or more are there and two or more agree, then, then God does it. To lift your hand just means I, I, I'm praising him. I, I'm worshiping. To, to, to give worship and glory and honor, it's just a sense of worship. And, and our job is to worship him. Nothing, nothing is too much. There is no level of praise. There is no elevation of worship in which he's not worthy. There, there's nothing that we can give him in praise that he's not worthy of. If we're going to be a person after God's own heart, then we're going to have to be a person of continual praise. We're going to have to be someone who gives our worship to God. Oswald Chambers says, We must never cease to be the most amazed person on earth at what God has done for you on the inside. Ooh, I need to read that again. We must never cease to be the most amazed person on earth at what God has done for you on the inside. We should never get over what God has done. We should never cease to be amazed that he took a filthy, no account, worthless, ought to go to hell sinner like me, washed him in the blood of the Lamb of God, the blood of Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, forgot, erased, removed 
always and forever, all of my sins. We ought not never get over what God has done. And if we never get over what God has done, picked us up out of the fiery pits of hell, set our feet upon a rock, wrote our name in the Lamb's book of life for all of eternity, if we don't ever forget that, we ain't ever going to stop praising him. He's worthy. He's worthy. Arthur Ashe, great, great, great quote. Note takers, I said write down one thing. Make sure you write down two. You're going to want this one. This is so simplistic. This is so simplistic, but it's life-changing simplicity. Arthur Ashe, start where you are. Use what you have. Do what you can. Well, how simple is that? Yesterday doesn't matter if I start where I am, does it? The mistake I made this morning doesn't matter if I start where I am. What happened five minutes ago, five hours ago, five days ago doesn't matter. Five years ago doesn't matter if I start where I am. So, so there's no guilt to start where I am. It's a clean slate. Father, forgive me. We go back to step one. Father, here's my sins. Confess it before the Lord. Cleanse me. Make me whole. I confess my sins. I've sinned before thee and thee alone. And God, make me a new vessel and start right here. It's a clean slate. You, you can't get any more clean than to start right here. Use what you have. It doesn't matter what you have. Just use that. You, you don't have to have something great. You don't have to try to do something big. Small opportunities come along every day of our life to do something for the glory of God. Just use what we have. And then he says, do what you can. You, you notice the simplicity of that? Don't, don't, don't burn yourself out. Don't, don't try to be more than you can be. Just do what you can. Do, do what the Holy Spirit leads. Start where you are. Use what you have. And do what you can. Lord, I have these lips. Use them. Help me. Help me to use them to praise you. Lord, I, I have these hands. Help me to use them to praise you. Lord, Lord, I have this breath in my lungs. Help me to use it to give glory and honor to you. Whatever you have, that, that, that's all it says. See, here, here's the truth. No matter where you are, no matter what your storm is, no matter what your financial status is, no matter what your marital problem is, no matter what your prodigal issues are, no matter what your job situation is, no matter what your failures are, no matter what has happened in your life, no matter what's going on right now, there is never a time, never a place that you can't praise God. No, no matter what kind of burdens is bearing us, worship is the one thing that can change everything. You want to try to change your mood? You may not change your situation, but you want to change your heart, worship Him. You, you, you want to feel better about your situation, even though the situation doesn't get any better? Worship Him. You want to get the devil off your back, kick him square in the mouth and make him leave you alone? Cry out in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. Command him off in Jesus. Begin to worship in the name of Jesus. Plead Jesus over your family. Plead Jesus over your problem. Plead Jesus over your situation. Call out the name of Jesus and praise him. And the devil's going to get out of town. When you turn the light on in the house, darkness has got to go. When you put the name of Jesus, when you put the light on your situation, darkness has got to flee. So no matter what our situation is, see, David had to learn in spite of the situation. Oh, David's life wasn't peaches and cream. King, yes. Worth millions of dollars, yes. Without troubles, not hardly. 
Without situations, not hardly. Without family problems, not hardly. Without his own children turning against him, not hardly. Without those within his kingdom despising him and hating him, not hardly. See, David lived a problem, a life of problems just like you and I. But what he learned was, was there is power in worship. Well, I'm almost halfway through. So if I finish this, we're probably 12, 20, 12, 25. We shouldn't matter. We were later than that last week getting out. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Band, I need you guys to come on up. I, I need band. You, you guys come on up here. I, I, got, I, still, got, I still got pages of notes, y'all. We we there there's there's still a there's there's still a lot right here. We 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 haven't got to David's trust yet. We haven't got to, to David being a man of humility. We we haven't gotten to, to David being a man of integrity. We haven't gotten to David being a man of obedience. So y'all get the point that we're not through with this series of messages, right? But here's what I think for now. 1828 Noah Webster's Dictionary says this of worship. <laughs> Chiefly and eminently the act of paying divine honors to the supreme being. Or the reverence and homage paid to him in religious exercises consisting in adoration, confession, prayer, thanksgiving, and the like. Simply put, worship is the one thing that can change everything. No level of worship... No, no elevation of worship of which he's not worthy. I, I want us this morning, we're, we're going we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna pull up right here. But, but before we do, I want, you to, I want you to take a look at your own life. Has God done anything for you? Has God done anything for you? Oh, I mean, we, 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 we can't be here long enough. You know, the, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Simple song, but you can't count them. You can't even scratch the surface. There ain't enough paper made to write down all that God's done for us. Our finite mind can't comprehend all of the things that God's done for us. But what I do want us to do is just try to think of, of the blessing. Think of, number one, the fact that, that there is a miracle Living inside of the man in the mirror, the woman in the mirror. There's a miracle in you. There's a miracle in me. This, this old mortal clay body <laughs> is redeemed of the Lamb of God. There, there is an eternal life living inside of me. Blessings in me because of what, because of what God has done. And it's the same for everybody. So I want, I want us to look at our life. I want you to take a minute. Just look at your past. Look, look at your past. I shouldn't tell you to do that because the devil will use that against you. But it's okay. It's a good opportunity right here. Look at your past. And see all the things you've done and all the wickedness there. And then remember that God erased it all. There, there's nothing back there that the blood of Jesus did not removed, Separated as far as the east is from the west. Never to be remembered again. 
that there's nothing back there that the enemy, the devil, can use against you because God said it's forgiven and forgotten. Look, look at your present. Look at what God's doing right now. Look at the blessings that God's given you right now. Look at our eternity. I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath entered the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Think about what God's got in store for you. For you. Not just everybody else, but for you. God loves you so much. Jesus climbed up on that cross for you. For us, yes. For the church, yes. But for you, yes. Just for one. I wonder if we just took a look at how good God truly is in our own life. I, I want to ask you if you would, if I just have everybody go ahead and stand. Just, just go ahead and stand. We got the band up here. We got the band. Yeah, we got the band. For, for, the, sake, for the sake of others... Yeah, yeah. For the sake of others, I'm, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes just for a minute. This, this is just so that everybody can be comfortable in here. Nobody's looking around. If you are one of the ones in here that said, boy, I got something to worship about. I got something to praise him about. I got something to lift my hands about, shout hallelujah about. I'm saved. I've been forgiven of all my sins. I've trusted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I've asked him to forgive me, to cleanse me. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm not going to hell because of what Jesus did for me. I've accepted the gift. I'm a child of the King. I know that I know when I leave this life to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I know that because that's what the Scripture says. I know I'm a Christian. I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. I know I'm going to heaven. I know what Christ has done for me. All over the building. All over the building. Thank you. I, I want you, if you would, put your heads, put, put your hands back down. Keep your heads bowed for just a minute again. This, this is just to help if there's anybody else in this place. If you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you can change all that today. You may not have anything to worship about yet, but you are one breath away from being to worship for all of eternity. You see, if you've never trusted Christ, if you don't know that you know that you know you're going to heaven when you die, it is as simple as confession of sins. Listen, it's not a lip service. You don't get to say, Lord, save me. Father, forgive me. I want to be saved and then move on. This is surrender of the heart. You give your heart and your life to Christ. Confession of lips is one thing, but surrendering of the heart is another. So it takes a confession of the lip. There, there must be a confession. Are you willing to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. I wish I wasn't, but I am. I'm just going to ask you, Father, if you just forgive me of my sins. I just want to ask you if you just forgive me of everywhere that I've failed you. Wash away all my sins. Because I believe. I believe in the cross. I believe in the blood. I believe in the resurrection. I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe. And I know that Jesus is the only way. None other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. But Father, I'm just asking you in the name of Jesus as I confess my sins before you. I want to surrender my heart to you. I want to ask you, Father, to save my soul in the precious holy name of Jesus. You see, if you're faithful to ask He's faithful and just. So whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever is whosoever. There is none excluded, none left out. 
I know I never do this. Once in a blue moon, I never have you raise your hand. But I am this morning. If you prayed this morning, you've asked Christ to save your soul. And you know you can go to heaven because of what you've done this morning. I want you to slip your hand up right where you're at. Nobody's looking around but me. I see that hand. Nobody's looking but me. Hold your hand high. I see that hand. Hold your hand high. Hold your hand high. People are standing. Thank you guys so much. You can look up here. Here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm, I'm not going to finish these notes. We're going to take a minute and rejoice. We're just going to give praise to the one that's worthy. Brother Larry's been wanting us to sing a song for a long time. He brings it up every staff meeting every Tuesday. He mentions it every time we meet him in the hallway. He was walking up this aisle over here singing it this morning, wanting to know what's wrong with a bunch of dead folks in here. He couldn't even get us going. We used to sing it all the time. Some of you has been here a long time. You're going to know it. Because we used to use it as a baptism celebration song. We would sing it a lot in, in association with baptism Sundays. But we ain't done it in a long time. Anybody thankful for what God's done for you? Anybody know there's a miracle living inside of you? They're not playing it right now. I can tell you that. Because it ain't, it ain't no little heartthrob. It ain't one to break your heart and get your tears flowing. It ain't even one to, to get you to the altar. And that's okay. That's not closing the altar. You need to do business with God. You do business with God. But it's a song to elevate worship. To bring us to a place. You ready? Y'all gonna have to upbeat that piano is all I know. Go ahead, brother. 